Hey folks, SA20 coming to you live, drinking low and brow. I uh, think I deserve it after the last hour I just had and thought I would come down and record a podcast, but it's gotten so big and huge. Uh, the conversations had recently have done so well that we actually have a sponsor. So here you go. Super Dickman's German chocolate. When you need to get a taste, just try Super Dickman's. Yes, they come in nine packs. Gross which is German for large, super dickmans. Have a gross one today. Alrighty, here we go. I think I'm losing my mind totally. Uh, I was just locked out of the house. The wife is, uh, wife and kids went out, decided to go out around the town shopping. She's prepping for a nice little uh, staycation away from the weather. So um, I, we've had multiple conversations about the, the way the German houses are set up. You can have, uh, if you leave a key in the door, not like, you know, German engineering, yay. you think they would uh, have a circumvent situation to that one, but if you leave a key in one side of the, the lock, uh, you can't get into the... I don't know if that's the same way in the States or whatever, but you definitely cannot get into the house if that's the case. So this is the third time I've had to ninja myself into the house due to uh, somebody else, not me, and uh, there's only one other person here locking me out of the house. So, uh, after that frustration, uh, and the wife is, uh, out and about currently scurrying around, uh, grabbing the last bits of, uh, uh, items that she needs to take back to her family. Um, yeah, I'm down here and, uh, really appreciate all the people that are, that have volunteered and did the, uh, the conversations. Those are by far the most popular, uh, podcasts. So only, um, I'm still going to mix in the half and half, uh, uh, working on a, a couple more conversations uh, and, the, and the further podcasts. But uh, uh, thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Dusty. Thank you, Ellis. And thank you, Joey, for uh, the insight. I kind of learned a lot, and I will, uh, I'll, that's kind of driving this podcast as well. But let's just start into it. Um, uh, Ellen Page. I, I, I think I've seen her act before. Uh, but she decided to become an outspoken, uh, outspoken whatever. Uh, apparently, she's, she's LGBTQ, which in and of itself is an oxymoron. It's become an oxymoron. Um, uh, LG, lesbian, gay, are getting like cut out by the the T part of it because if you're if you are a lesbian, the definition of lesbian is though that you are a female and you prefer female. And if you're G, you're a male that prefers male. But if you're a T, gender is not a thing for you, right? So if you identify as a woman, then and you're a male, and you identify as a woman, then other women should like you, right? But if you're a lesbian, that you're not down with that. So that whole argument, it, it's kind of yeah, very funny or very interesting. I would love to see the... There's a Apparently there's a trans flag, but I, I think I've... I've I've uh, talked about this before. I'd love to see what the L, the G, the Q, the A flags are like. I'm assuming that the L flag is a, like two pairs of scissors going back and forth, chopping in the middle. I, I would have to assume like it's like when you see it from one side and you keep walking and you just kind of see the scissors hit like in South Park and then you sit down and uh, that would be a that would be an awesome ass flag. Uh, but she's uh, LGBTQ. She's very outspoken. And she's outspoken. She was outspoken on the Colbell Report because of the Jesse Smollett situation. So let's just go into what she 
little little part of what she said. We have a media that's saying it's a debate whether or not what just happened to Jesse Smollett is a hate crime. It's absurd. This isn't a debate. The problem is that nothing happened to Jesse Smollett. I know I may be in the minority, and yes, I'm diverse now the, in saying that, but nothing happened. He, I, that, that story has disappeared. It's gone. He, I'm sure you recall that he was in the middle of Chicago, minus 30 degree weather, maybe even more, and two white people in MAGA hats showed up and beat the shit out of him and uh, went away. However, couldn't corroborate the story, uh, didn't want to hand over his phone records, uh, didn't actually have a broken rib, told two different stories to TMZ and the police, so it didn't happen. He made the story up, wasted the resources of the Chicago PD, who was busy with their own uh, gun issue problem uh, and violence issue uh, in Chicago. So it didn't happen. So that's the problem, right? That's the debate, or that is a debate. And then, so you say something like that, and then you go out and attack Chris Pratt. Now this is getting, this is getting vindictive. So she goes and she then writes a tweet. She's on the warpath uh, and says, if you're a famous actor and you belong to an organization that hates a certain group of people, don't be surprised if someone simply wonders why it's not addressed. Being anti-LGBTQ is wrong. There aren't two sides. The damage it causes is severe. Full stop. Sending love to all. So, yeah, that's kind of the problem with uh, drawing lines. And anybody that says that you can't be something or can't say something or can't have a uh, can't have a, a, a an opinion on a certain situation, and you have to agree with me, is totally wrong. And this is the reason why I respect the response that Chris Pratt had is because he took a stand, and he's uh, he's grounded in his beliefs and. Whatever his beliefs are are fine by him, and whatever Ellen Page's beliefs are are fine by her. It doesn't matter. But the second you go out and say, you can't do this, you can't say this, you can't have this opinion, you are wrong. And I know that's kind of, uh, that's kind of uh, hypocritical, right? To say that you, can, you always need to have an opinion, but you, then you can't have the opinion that other people can't have the opinion. So therefore, you're circulating yourself that you can't have the opinion that other people can have the opinion that not have the opinion. I don't know where I talked around that is. But that's, that's stifling free speech. You can't attack the First Amendment. People are, should be allowed to believe in what they want to believe in and say what they want to say. That's simple. But uh, Chris Pratt was on the Colbert Report following after, after, and he said, If the spotlight that is shining on you is brighter than the light, that's within you, it'll kill you. So apparently he is taking the minority stance in the Hollywood community that he's religious. And then Pratt said it's been recently been suggested that he belongs to a church that hates a certain group of people and is infamously anti-LGBTQ. Nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, he goes to church that opens their doors to absolutely everyone. Despite what the Bible says about divorce, uh, my church community was there for me every step of the way, never judging, just gracefully accompanying me upon my walk. They helped me tremendously offering love and support. It is what I have seen them do for others on countless occasions, regardless of sexual orientation, race, or gender. Uh, my, Chris Faith's, uh, faith is important to him, uh, but to no church defines him or his life and is not a spokesman for any church or any group of people. His values define who he is. Uh, we, he needs less hate in the world, not more. Uh, Chris Pratt is a man who believes that everyone is entitled to love 
who they want, free from the judgment of their fellow man. Jesus said, I give you a new command, love one another. This is what guides his life, he concluded. He is a God of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Hate has no place in my or his world. So even then, it was kind of a ticky-tack. It was a good response, but a ticky-tack in response in the sense that um, despite the fact that his church made blah, 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 or the outside perception of the church, the church doesn't define who he is and who his faith is and what his uh, what his relationship with God is, which is totally true, 100%. But it goes back to the bigger problem of people that are anti-religious saying you cannot be religious, like you cannot hold values that do this, which no bueno. Based on the fact that some guy in Chicago made up a story and just to, just to, just to poke and prod uh, racial sensitivity that's going on in, this, in, the, in our nice little country. So, uh, Virginia debacle continues. Uh, the governor goes on an apology tour. I was uh, on on the old treadmill and I, I poked up and watched the. Uh, there's a there's a store or show that has uh, it's like a CBS or whatever morning show, and it has a little. Sh- it had the dude that got fired for se- Me Too sexual harassment, and it has uh, uh, an African American female, two other females, and then some beta male on it. Um, I, I can't recall off the top of my head what the show is called, but the African-American female was sitting across from the governor and, uh, you know, he's going through his apologies tour and apparently the lieutenant or the governor of Virginia is best positioned to mend race relations because he's a doctor and he was in blackface and everything's cool. So he's going to, he's going to stick to it. He's going to stay with whatever. So whatever. And then there's doubt about one of the lieutenant governor's accusers. So one of the lieutenant governor's uh, sexual assault accusers actually accused one of the Duke players, uh, was, who was a one-and-done also of rape. So this is her second uh, rape accusation. Uh, so, But we're supposed to believe all women, so hashtag believe all women. So the lieutenant governor has to go. And yeah, that we can't have a discussion about it. No due process, no anything. You just got to... You just got to assume that when somebody accuses you of something that they're telling the truth, especially if women are accusing you of a sexual assault or if a man accuses you of a sexual assault, you have to, you have to, that's the line that's drawn. So no such thing as due process. I don't want to hear about that. And then, uh, uh, moving right along with to, uh, Jeff Bezos versus AMI. AMI is the, uh, parent corporation of the Inquirer. And apparently they tried to blackmail Jeff Bezos. And Jeff Bezos, to his credit, said, nah, I'm cool, bro. And he released the information or just said, go ahead and do what you want to do. The media, as disingenuous as they are, ran with the story that for some reason uh, Trump was involved in this whole thing because uh, AMI or the Inquirer withheld stories about story Stormy Daniels during the 2016 presidential election. So Trump paid or that's all part of the Mueller investigation where Trump paid or tried to work through uh, the Inquirer to stifle stories and the Inquirer was supporting Trump and Russia collusion and do, 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 blah, 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 blah. So the media came out with the story and started and ran with the fact that, oh, because uh, AMI is being investigated and cooperating with the Mueller investigation, everything is going to come out now. And how did they get texts? Like, how did the, how did the Inquirer get the texts? of Jeff Bezos's, you know, uh, nude nudies or whatever. And once again, to Bezos's credit, he decided that, uh, I'm not going to be blackmailed 
and go ahead, do, do what you want to do. And he released the emails between the Inquirer and him uh, to the Ether, which basically show that the Inquirer or AMI was attempting to blackmail Jeff Bezos. Turns out that uh, after about 48 hours, the like his, his brother-in-law or his wife's brother-in-law was the one that released the text to the Inquirer, and they have a chain to do that. I may be overstating that, but that's where it eventually came from. So, yeah, uh, the media missing the mark there again, uh, which is not surprising at all. They're looking for anything, anything, anything to grab uh, Trump on. And we'll just go, I'll, I'll, I'm going to go through three headlines that I saw um, about through this weekend with uh, just with trying to grab the Trump attention or doing whatever. So one was uh, Donald Trump appears to joke about Native Americans. So, okay. Like, I didn't even read that story to go in, but insensitivity, can't tell a joke. Not, not allowed to tell a joke. You can't even do the trail of tears. With, you, can't, you can't make fun of the fact that Elizabeth Warren is not a Native American and make a, a trail of tears joke because that's racially insensitive. Another one was AOC tears into intellectually bankrupt GOP over targeted rumors rumors so if you are a republican or the or if you identify with the grand old party or you vote republican you're intellectually bankrupt intellectually bankrupt maybe they have a point there because i i would say intellectually and then the third one which was my favorite of the week do racists like fox news or does fox make people racist so if you watch fox you're racist um i i, I don't even know where to go with that uh, Maxine Waters, uh, finally, after 11 years of thoughtful and careful debate and looking into and watching and monitoring, Maxine Waters finally gets uh, indicted or uh, gets three ethics charges for uh, improprietal, like, so apparently her husband uh, was uh, owner of a, or a CEO of a bank and Maxine Waters, as head of the finance committee, flooded uh, money towards uh, their um to her husband's uh, bank. So Maxine Waters, known for such great statements as, let's dox everyone that doesn't agree with us. So she was up on the pulpit saying, hey, if, if uh, you know anybody that Trump su or supports Trump or makes statements that are against us, make sure that you uh, go out there and accost them in, the, in a restaurant or accost them anywhere or do whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, the House Ethics Committee today released three charges of ethical wrongdoing against Democratic Representative Maxine Waters of California. The charges relate to whether Wax, uh, Maxine Waters gave inappropriate assistance to a bank to which she had personal connections and getting federal bailout money. More to follow about that bad boy. The Ethics Committee says Waters organized a meeting in 2008 between Treasury officials and executives from One United Bank where her husband was once a board member and had a large investment. The bank received $12 million from a federal uh, government troubled asset relief program. The first charge against Waters states she violated a House rule that members must behave at all times in a manner that shall reflect credibility of the House. Pretty weak. Waters should have instructed her chief of staff to stop assisting One United once it became clear she should not be involved in helping the bank because of her husband, but she failed to do so. Her staff's continued involvement in the assisting One United created an appearance that Waters was taking action for personal benefit. Waters is also charged with violating the spirit of the House rule that prohibits a member from receiving compensation for exerting improper influence from her position in Congress. Waters' husband investments one United constituted compensation, according to the charges. Makes sense. 
Congresswoman, was also charged with violating the Code of Ethics for Government Service. Waters, who's on the House Financial Services Committee, has defended her request in the meeting and, you know, rather be tried by 12 than judged by or carried by 6. And then it goes in to say that uh, House Democrat Charlie Rangel was also charged with multiple exit violation, ethics violations this summer and will stand trial before a committee in the fall. If you think that Democrats are any better than Republicans or you're so upset about Republicans and Democrats and blah, 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 they're, the media can't even cover the, or can't even hide the stories of uh the Virginia debacle, and then two coming up on. I, I mean, it's say it's both. It's even on both sides. Republicans suck just as much as Democrats do. But don't sit here and try to stand and tell anyone that Democrats are better than Republicans. And even worse, the Green New Deal stuff uh, that I'm about to get into. They they backed off totally. Like they, I talked about it, and it was actual like real like real news. The documents came out. Previous podcasts have it on. And now there's a dude on Fox that's just like. He went on Tucker Carlson, and he's like, that never happened. Well, people are just making it up. Let's, let's cut this apart. Professor, thanks very much for coming on. So thanks, can Tucker. I just ask the obvious question? Why would we ever pay people who are, quote, unwilling to work? Uh, I, we, we never would, right? And, and AOC has never said anything like that, right? I think you're referring to some sort of a document that some, I think some doctored document that somebody other than us has been circulating. Negative shipmate. That shit was in the document. Stop being a lying douche. Oh, I thought that came right from her. That was in the background or from her office, is my understanding. No, no. She's actually tweeted it out to laugh at it. If you look at her latest tweets, it seems that apparently some Republicans have put it out there. Oh, so it was the Republicans. Please continue. The oh, well, details. good. Well, then, then thank you for correcting me. I mean, because it, yeah. like, it seemed a little ridiculous. Almost as ridiculous as the idea that we're going to build enough light rail to make airplanes unnecessary, which I think actually is from uh, the plan. I don't, I, I don't know where you got that either, Tucker. I, I actually believe that you're actually on our side about this, if you actually read the actual plan, right? There's nothing about well, I, getting I rid have. of anything. It's about expanding many options, right? I mean, there are many, many things we want to be able to do now in addition to what we already do. So, what's, so where's the airplane disappearance oh. coming from? I'm not from your fucking document, you douche. I could actually get it for you. This is that would be great, uh, frequently asked questions that. released by her office. And I'm quoting from it. And yeah, maybe yeah. this maybe this is fraudulent, in which case I hope you'll correct me. Mm -hmm. But it says that the Green New Deal would, and I'm quoting, totally overhaul transportation, and that would mean quote building out high-speed rail at a scale where air travel would stop becoming necessary. Hawaii Senator Hawaii Senator Maisie Hirono respond to that by saying mm -hmm. that would be hard for Hawaii. So I don't think that's made up. The but senator from no, Hawaii. No, no, no. But, but I mean, it it's, it's, it apparently is being misunderstood, right? We're really talking about expanding optionality here. We're not talking about getting rid of anything. I don't think we're misunderstanding anything, Mr. Professor. I think that you guys submitted a communist doctrine, and you're being called out on it, and everybody called you out on it, and now you're lying. I. I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Thing, right? We're talking about basically making it cost effective to move into more modern forms of technology, more modern forms of production, which would then enable people actually cost effectively to transition to that stuff. We're not we're talking about requiring anything or prohibiting anything. Oh. That sort of oh, 1980s they, style environment. Oh. Lies. Deception. Wait, but hold on. I don't, I don't want you to back away from mm -hmm. what she herself has said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And all of this with the caveat that, you know, a lot of this won't happen, maybe none of it. But these are the ideas that she's articulating. She did so on NBC well, I, last I week. I promise you, Tucker, I won't back away from anything okay, she said. Then, Indeed, then, then we're she pushing said, forward, then, right? Then I mean, she said, well, yeah, at high speed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very high speed. To, yeah, that we're yeah. going to supplant all 
fossil fuels in 12 years. Yes, yes. So, well, yes. Okay, so that, that would mean, mean... That doesn't mean stop... Oh, but it does. And you said as much. We need to green everything. It doesn't mean prohibiting them. It means rendering them obsolete by doing something better. And we can okay, do then, it. This then, is America. Then good. Then we I'm can glad. do anything. It's, and it's nice to have an, a smart person on the show to explain this. What about air travel, which is critical to our economy? This is a continental country. It stays the same. Okay, right? but, but no, because that requires fossil fuel. That might, we're not talking about, we're talking about carbon neutrality, remember? We're talking about net zero emissions. That doesn't mean that there's never any burning of anything, right? I mean, until we come up with solar panel flying airplanes, oh. of course, we're I, not I'm going sorry, to... I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, mm. I, I just want to correct, I just had, because this seemed like we were making news on this show. Mm. The unwilling to work thing was in her backgrounder. That has no, been absolutely no, confirmed. No, no, You're no, saying no. no. Definitely not, definitely not. Okay, so NBC and lots of, of other news outlets are saying that that was in the background and you're yeah, saying it's fraudulent. That's erroneous. You are an idiot. How do you have a degree? And actually, to be frankly honest, these are the people that are teaching your children when, you go to, when they go to college. So you should probably send them to a technical school or Texas A&M. Just saying. Back to the program. That's right. Now, there might be new details now that you know about that I don't because I've been doing media all day. But the story all day. Yeah, I don't. I, I think that was actually in the document. I'm. I, I read wrong, it as it came out. Well, it's so. the wrong. It's the wrong document, Tucker. If well, yeah. Was, well, it's definitely the wrong. Yeah, it's that's, that's, the wrong that's not us. No, so, we so, certainly so, don't. So what you're saying like is, that, right? we're not getting rid of fossil fuels actually, even though you just said yes, we were. Yes. No, no. We're rendering them obsolete for most purposes that are used for now, right? But air that travel is a huge source. But a that's huge like, source. Hence the word most before, right? Okay. We eliminate them for most purposes for which they're used now. Rendering them so obsolete. I've got two gasoline-powered cars yes, at home. But imagine how much better it's going to be when it's cost-effective to drive electric cars. But that can't be done simply by individuals, right? You have to coordinate. You have to have charging stations everywhere. And of course, individuals can't. Didn't charging stations everywhere come directly from the document you're just talking about? Hmm. Do that, right? So in that sense, the government is acting like a kind of orchestra conductor here. We're trying to coordinate right. some of that stuff that can only then, be then centrally why, coordinated why? and then enable everybody to act individually without, within that framework, right? Yeah, that doesn't, I don't fully understand what you're saying, but let me just, I mean, on the low end, this would be the most expensive thing that the United States has ever it, undertaken, it would including rural electrification, the Second World War, and I'm it just kind of wondering, in a country that's got more debt than it has GDP, how would we pay for that? Well, here's the key, right? Remember that we racked up enormous debt to finance the Second World War effort and the we New did. Deal and, of course, the interstate highway system in the 50s. But here's the key point. Here's a takeaway. I want you to remember this. I hope everybody will remember this. Remember that inflation is a relation, right? It's the relation between the quantity of money and the quantity of goods. Okie dokie, fuckface. I'm just going to take this opportunity to... I've divulged from the conversation and engage in conversations had in previous podcasts and try to fix this fucking professor um, with my basic economics degree. Now, granted, I've been out of the game for 15 years, this, that, and the other, but I, I have dabbled from time to time and actually wanted to prepare myself in a different segment for this podcast to kind of clarify and do the spooky sessions. But then I, when I was watching this Tucker Carlson segment and listened to this fucking idiot professor walk back all the comments on the Green Deal, I was like, hey, I'll take this perfect opportunity to talk about QE and uh, monetary exchange equations. So please fall asleep now 
And please stop the conversation of the the, uh, podcast now and run away because I'm about to do 10 to 15 minutes of fucking stupidity. So inflation is actually tied to two things, the Phillips curve and the money supply. So the money supply is important because it's linked to inflation by the equation of exchange and equation proposed by Irving Fisher in 1911, which is uh, money supply and velocity um, uh, with the average price of goods and the quantity of goods or assets. Velocity of money is going to be very important later in the later rounds of this conversation because that kind of ties into QE on my little conspiracy theory um, topic. However, comma, I told Ellis that there was M1 through M4, and I think M4 actually exists, but not in the document that I'm looking at now. Actually, there's M0, um, monetary base, M1, M2, M3, and then monetary zero uh, marketing. M0 uh, is actually the money that is exist in coin. So, uh, notes and coins in circulation, that's M0. Monetary base is M0 plus notes and coins and banks, so vault cash, and Federal Reserve Bank credit, so uh, excess reserves, uh, you know, in the ether. M1 is M0 plus traveler's checks of non-bank issuers, demand deposits, and other checkable deposits, so basically the money that exists in your checking account, plus zero. M2 is M1 plus, so remember that M0 is uh, M1 plus, blah, blah, blah. And M2 is M1 plus, so everything that M0 is and M1, plus savings deposits and time deposits of less than 100000 M3, which is the fun one, is large time deposits. So remember M3, okay? It's institutional money, market funds, short-term repurchase, and other larger liquid assets. So the government tracks M0, which is notes and coins, physical cash that exists. Um, uh, well, M0, that's in currency, in circulation. Monetary base is physical cash that exists. Uh, M1 is M0, cash in circulation, plus blah, 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 blah. M2 is M1 plus uh, savings and time deposits, less than 100000 M3 is all large-time deposits. Remember that. Bonds. Remember that. So the United States stopped tracking um, M3. But M2 has been a large, like, exalting. There's there's over uh, 10 trillion M2 value assets uh, in the United States. So the Federal Reserve previously published data on three monetary aggregates, but on 10 November 2005, after the financial crisis, announced and after QE, announced that as of March 23rd, 2006, it would cease publication of M3, large bonds over 100,000. Since the spring of 2006, the Federal Reserve has only published data on the two M2, M1, and uh, M0. Uh, The first, M1, is made up of types of money commonly used for payment, basically currency outside of banks, checking account balances, and the second M2 includes M1 plus balances that generally similar to transaction accounts and for that. For the most part, it can be converted fairly readily to M1 with little or no loss of principal. So that's basically your bank says you have this much money, but you have this much on hand, but you can draw that out and do whatever. Uh, So, but remember, M3. So when the Federal Reserve said that they would cease 
posting M3 statistics in March 2006. They explained that M3 didn't convey the additional information about economic activity compared to M2 and thus has not played a role in monetary policy process for many years. Remember, 2005. Therefore, the costs to collect M3 data outweigh the benefits that it provided. Some politicians have spoken out against the Federal Reserve's decision to cease money publishing M3 statistics and have urged U.S. Congress to take steps requiring the Federal Reserve to do so. Ron Paul, my boy, claimed that M3 is the best description of how quickly the Fed is creating new money and credit. Remember that. Claimed that M3 is the best description of how quickly the Fed is creating new money and credit. And remember, the difference between M2 is all money plus bonds less than 100000 M3 is bonds or uh, static time money. Uh, that's greater than 100000 So money that you put in and you purchase for a later date. Think one-year, three-year, five-year, 10-year bonds over $100,000. And just remember that concept. M2, all money. M3 is all money uh, higher than bonds over $100,000. And Ron Paul says, hey, we should track this money because what's, what stops the Fed from just creating money out of thin air? Nothing. Because they've tracked it. That, that statistic has disappeared after 2005. But then the retort to that is common sense tells us that a government central bank creating new money out of thin air depreciates the value of each dollar in circulation. Modern monetary theory disagrees. It holds that money creation and free-floating fiat currency regime such as the U.S. will not lead to significant inflation unless the economy is approaching full employment and full capacity. So back to the Phillips curve. Phillips, Phillips curve says basically that you want inflation at a 3% rate and unemployment at a 5% rate, right? Why are those numbers important? Why is so? If you if you keep if if you uh, if you decrease in uh, or in, sorry inflation at three percent and employment at five percent unemployment at five percent. So why are those numbers important? So if um, if unemployment goes below five percent, then that is a is an upward pressure on inflation. If unemployment goes high, that's a downward pressure on inflation. Phillips curve. Look it up. It's proved it. Um, I'm retarded. Can't explain it, but that's, uh, I definitely looked at it before and I could go into it and fuck it. I will. God damn you. So basically the Phillips curve is a, in economics is a single equation named after William Phillips that describes the historical inverse relationship between rates of unemployment and corresponding rates and rises in wages that result in an economy, which inflation stated simply decreased unemployment, increased levels of unemployment in an economy will correlate in higher, higher rates of wage raises. Phillips denied himself state that there's any relationship between employment and inflation, but that's the uh, uh, internal corollary. So when you give, when more people have more money than uh, supply demand, uh, people demand more things, supply comes up, and then the prices go up. So ipso facto, more people employed, higher inflation because you, you have more money supply out in the economy. So inflation, uh, that, that increases inflation pressure. So that's basically what the Phillips curve relates to or, or says and shows. Why is this important? Because you, you sit there and you hear Trump and tout all these, the lowest unemployment rates in years and the highest uh, e economy engagement or workforce engagement that has happened in years, which is a inflation indicator. By any means, stretch the imagination when it comes to basic economic, economic theory and just the layman's terms thinking. Free-floating fiat currency regimes such as the U.S. will not lead to a significant inflation unless the economy is approaching full employment, which employment numbers or unemployment numbers are down, and full capacity, which means workforce engagement, which the Trump economy numbers have are bringing that into realization. So there are, are inflation pressures all over. So here comes my friend QE.
I had talked to Ellis on a previous podcast about quantitative easing, and basically it's adding liquidity to the economy. It's the central bank, which is the Federal Reserve, has the ability to print money. And typically, when you just print money and send it out there, inflation, right? Because everybody has more money, and there it is. But the sneaky thing that QE does is that it uh, it's large asset, large scale asset purchase. It's an expansionary policy whereby a central bank, our Fed, buys a predetermined amount of government bonds or other assets in order to stimulate the economy and increase liquidity. So it, it gains or increases liquidity. And it's an unconventional form of monetary policy and it's usually used when inflation is very low or negative and standard expansionary monetary policy has become ineffective. Basically, everybody kind of does this sort of thing. The uh, United States has gone through three uh, uh, cycles of this, and it's pretty brutal. Uh, the U.S. Federal Reserve System held between $700 billion with a B and $800 billion of a B of Treasury notes on its balance sheet before the recession. In late November 2008, the Federal Reserve started buying $600 billion in mortgage-backed securities, uh, which was all the stuff that uh, people were betting on, the uh, uh, horrible uh, loans, and basically bought up all the bad debt that uh, uh, Fannie, Mae, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and all the banks had, had gambled on. So the, the Federal Reserve bought all that up. So all that shit, all that shit uh, gambling, the Central Reserve bought that up. By March 2009, it held $1.75 trillion of bank debt, mortgage-backed securities, and treasury notes. The amount reached its peak in two point, uh, peak of $2.1 trillion in June 2010. Further purchases were halted as the economy started to improve, but resumed in August 2010 when the Fed decided the economy was not growing robustly. After the halt in June, holdings started failing naturally as debt matured and were projected to fall by $1.7 trillion in, by uh, 2012. Now remember... The stock market has gone from 12,000 to like 26,000. And that's because QE liquefied a lot of the, they put a lot more money into the system. But a way to mitigate that is that the uh, Federal Reserve buys up all the bonds and holds everything. And then uh, uh, you have income inequality as well. So the rich get richer and they hold a lot more money. So I may be worth $200 billion, but $180 uh, billion of my money is stocked away in M3 money, which if you remember is bonds that are greater than 100,000 that are time release. The problem with QE is that sometime you're just kicking the can down the road. The time's coming, right? So uh, after the halt in June, holdings started finally naturally as debt matured and were projected to fall by 1.7 trillion in 2012. The Fed's revived, revised goal became to keep the holdings at 2 trillion to maintain that level. The Fed bought 30 billion in two to 10 year treasury notes every month. Uh, in November 2010, the Fed announced the second round of QE, buying $600 billion of Treasury securities by the end of the second quarter in 2011. The expression QE2 became ubiquitous nickname in 2010, used to refer to the second round of QE by U.S. central banks. Retrospectively, the amount of QE preceding QE2 was called QE1. Uh, a third round of QE, QE3, was announced in 13th September 2012, and it's QE indefinite, like the Fed will continue to buy bonds uh, and, and put money into the system at, at a definite amount. And that's what it's been called. Federal Reserve decided to launch a new $40 billion per month open-ended bond purchasing program, QE Indefinite. Um, it would maintain the federal funds rate near zero, so they would not uh, charge interest on these bonds. So 
uh, the Federal Reserve would not, when they bought the bonds, they wouldn't charge themselves interest so it could be as cheap to them as possible. According to NASDAQ, uh, this is effectively a stimulus program that allows the Federal Reserve to relieve $40 billion per month of commercial housing market debt risk. Because it's open-ended in nature, QE has earned the popular nickname of QE Infinity. On uh, December 12, 2012, announced an increase, the FOMC announced an increase of amount of open-ended purchases to $40 billion to $85 billion per month. So they actually stepped it up. Uh, on June 2013, Mr. Bernanke, the former Fed chair, announced the tapering of some of the Fed's QE policies continued upon continued positive economic data. Specifically, he said that the Fed could scale back its bond purchases from $85 billion to $65 billion a month during the upcoming September 2013 policy meeting. He also suggested the bond buying program could wrap by mid-2014, which is not true. He didn't announce an interest rate hike. He suggested the inflation followed a 2% target rate and unemployment decreased. The Fed would likely start raising rates. The stock market dropped approximately. So, yeah, the stock, like, so a lot of the money just started dipping out of the system by that time when he made that announcement. And the same thing happened to Trump when uh, the central bank made that announcement that they, want, that they wanted to raise rates, basically increasing the price of uh, borrowing money. Um, so it's like heroin. The United States is kind of uh, addicted to it. So uh, some of the risks of doing this program or plan is obviously inflation um but another uh here are some other issues that you may or may not be seeing uh that's going on so qe is going to may cause a higher inflation than desired if you miscalculate uh, what you're doing so if you if you buy too many bonds that's why the fed meets every month to figure it out um it can it can fail to spur demand if a bank uh, remains reluctant to lend money to businesses and, and households. That's why you need to create regulations to say, hey, you must loan this amount of money or you must do this. And it can still ease the process of uh, uh, doing all that fun stuff. Uh, savings and pensions. So bonds, the rate. So if you lower the rate on bond return, so if you make it, if like as we talked about earlier, when the Fed puts all this money out there and says, hey, we're going to lower the bond rates, it disincentivizes savings because if I'm going to try to save my money, then I'm going to get, instead of getting 3% or 4% to combat inflation, I'm going to get 1% 2%. It's going to devalue my money. So I'm going to put my money in more aggressive funds. So ipso facto stock market capital flight. So if you also do that, the new money from QE could be used. So instead of investing inside of uh, the United States, you would do outside investing. That's why the uh, international monetary investing funds, I could go into uh, 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 my investment portfolio and I, I've invested my money into the I fund to uh, actually take advantage of this, but the international fund, because all the money floods out. The problem with that is, is that when you put all the all this currency outside, when they decide to come back and call their, their money back, you actually have to give up some sort of capital, physical assets, to pay for that because if you don't do that one of two things happen um if you raise the price like you say oh you have a, a 10 billion dollars and you want to buy this building actually the building is 11 billion dollars so you can't buy it so that jacks the price up or you just say no fuck it we're not doing that and then you lose trust and confidence in bonds and nobody will come and buy your bonds nobody will internally buy everybody loses faith in your your currency and then you just it blows up the entire thing so when all the currency goes out of your area, aka China, um, when they have all that money and it comes back in, 
you, they can buy up all your all your physical capital, and you have to do that to keep faith in the system because it's just some random dude with ten million dollars or ten billion dollars shows up and says, "Hey, I want to buy this this company," or "Hey, I want to buy this, that, and the other." So, and you've seen that because uh, Chinese investment firms have come back and bought uh, all this all this stuff. So QE, you know, saves the economy, but you're robbing Peter to pay Paul and income, uh, increased income and wealth inequality. So another way to hide the money is just to keep uh, all the money up in the, in the high echelons or whatever. Like I said earlier, I'm worth, I'm Jeff Bezos. I'm worth $200 billion, but 180 billion of my money is divested into time saved bonds. And then that money really doesn't exist in the ether. And it, when push comes to shove, it's much, much easier to say, Jeff Bezos get bent as opposed to say China get bent. So you can just crush that one person and you've relieved 180 million or 200 million dollars or billion dollars worth of debt. If you try to do that with China, you go to war. So, or your, your currency goes to shit. So, and then also if uh, you are a, uh, if your dollar is pegged to do whatever you can, uh, you can extend the inflation rates to everybody else and not your own currency. <sighs> brutal. So that's conspiracy for theory for the day. And uh, let's get back to the Tucker Carlson uh, finite. Now, okay. if the money that you're spending is resulting in the production of a great many more goods, you have no inflation problem. More production absorbs more expenditure. The problem with the $7 trillion that was spent during the Bush right. years okay. and, of course, the last tax cut was that it wasn't actually productive. But note that even that didn't bring about inflation. Okay, right? I, we're still not getting close to it. And by the way, I'm just getting all this in my ear, and we're actually going to follow up on this next week. Okay. That unwilling to work line, which you're obviously embarrassed about, and, and you should be, of no, course. No, no, I'm not embarrassed. That it's was just not in us. the document. It's not embarrassing. And, no, Tucker. No, 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 Tucker. No, no, no. We're not embarrassed by what's not ours. No, Tucker. We're not embarrassed by what's not ours. Okay. okay. We well, we're going to get to the bottom of that. Yes, we are. We're going to prove we it one way or the other, and I hope you will come back. I will. I, Professor, thank you. Thanks so much, I'm glad. I'm always grateful when people on the other side come on, including you. Thank you. Jesus Christ. Somebody put me out of my misery. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, I swear. Alrighty. So, on to personal news or whatever the hell's going on. Let's just finish off uh, all that other fun stuff. Uh, my, my kids have the biggest heads. If you know who I am or, you, or you've seen me, you know I got a big fucking dome. I have uh, I got a five head, right? Uh, so every every physical measurement of my kids, they've they've always had the biggest head. Abigail, every way she's grown up, of a hundred kids, she's got the biggest head. And Michael, he was born you know a little bit a uh, little bit early, but he's uh, you know he's taken after his daddy, and I'm so proud of him. His last measurement, he had the biggest ki the biggest head of any of the four month olds that are that are measured. So call me a proud daddy. I am uh, I am super, super happy. UFC 234 uh, went along and uh, uh, apparently it was a snoozer. The main event was canceled because Robert Whitaker had a, a hernia issue and dropped out. So Kevin Gastelum now holds the title. Uh, the main event was Silva versus Dragon Ball Z guy. And it was a snooze fest apparently. Anderson Silva, the GOAT, the uh, greatest of all time has dipped off precipitously and that's why we need steroids in sports so we can uh, you know extend the uh, the greatness of our uh, heroes but uh, Abyssinia 16 and 0 uh, and he's pretty much he could be a superstar 
hopefully he gets a, t- a title shot in whatever whatever league or division he's in. Um, so, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen is apparently killing it with his new uh, uh, Who Is America series. He dressed up as like an Israeli, t- like uh, something, and he talked to Dick Cheney, and he dressed up as the guy from Kill Bill, uh, the the Jidoku trainer. Um, how do these people not know? Like Ron Paul was pulled. We, I mentioned him earlier, uh, a bunch of a bunch of people have been pulled. His Borat series was fucking hilarious. That movie is great. He was great in um, uh, the Ricky Bobby movie. Uh, he, but he, how can you not? How can you not tell when he's that Israeli dude? How can you not tell that he's just like bumped up in makeup and, and stuff? So I don't know. You could be. I, I'm, I'm sure I could be fooled as well. But uh, Sasha Baron Cohen is. Uh, he's like the. I don't know. He's he's a fantastic comedian, and he's a. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Arbiter of like he, he really. He might be the what journalism might or should be just a guy that takes risks and does things to find out true stories or at least bring out the humor or the absurdity in the situation so i love that um haven't watched it uh like to watch a uh, more black what is it uh, black mirror uh, season four apparently came out game of thrones super excited about uh, a lot of the media stuff watching but i'm in shermany so i can't do those sort of things and last but not least got enthralled in a uh, Chinese documentary about the mayor of Daytong, and it was it was pretty cool watching just some dude just die a slow death of like why aren't you working why aren't you doing these things how can I not do started a thousand projects couldn't finish any of them and then was promoted to uh, you know regional mayor or regional hierarchy whatever the hell and then just uh, kind of quit in January 2019 but it was cool to see. That everybody in Daytong was like, this guy's trying to solve problems, this guy's trying to fix things, and they protested his uh, promotion, which was fantastic. Which kind of happens. The higher you get, the less you do. And the more forward-thinking you are, and the, and the more uh, the, the harder it is to just be a salt-of-the-earth, day-to-day, walking-around kind of person, which is unfortunate. Uh, this is going to be one of the more edited podcasts. Don't expect this in the future, you bastards. And this will be a least listened to podcast as well, which is unfortunate. But back to our sponsors, Super Dickmans, gross, large for German. Come get a taste. Have a great one, guys and gals and things and whatevers and whatever unconscious bias trigger that I'm setting off and forward and blah, 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 and Jesus Christ. Take the key out of the door, please.